Hello, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the Netflix film, Tick, Tick, Boom. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for Tick, Tick, Boom? Sure. On the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theater composer navigates love, friendship, and the pressure of life as an artist in New York City. Okay, and sweet tradition, our one-sentence summaries for this film. What was your summary? My summary is Inception, but with musicals. Oh, yes. Because we got like musicals within musicals within musicals, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There's that like meta uh, bookended outer layer too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we dive in. Yep. I like it. My summary is when the musical magic is autobiographical, it's simply extra magical. Oh, nice. Yeah. That was an awe, an awe summary. <laughs> <laughs> It really okay. was, but it's also very fitting, so it works. Yeah, this is the one that came to mind, so I was like, oh, we're going with it. We're going with it. All right, well, let's start off with initial thoughts of Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, uh, I had a great time with this. I was skeptical. I was really, really prepared before watching it to just come on to this episode and just <laughs> – like shit on the entire musical. <laughs> yes, I was I was prepared. I was ready. Oh I was like, this is a Netflix musical. It's gonna be trash. Andrew Garfield <laughs> didn't even sing before this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is gonna be awful. Uh, and it's not. So uh, I was wrong, which is always nice to admit. But I I had such a fun time with this. And I I think it's because this movie in so many ways feels like an homage to musical theater and a celebration of musical theater and as a person who is mildly obsessed with musical theater Mm -hmm. I just had a great time and you can tell that everybody involved just loves the art form loved Jonathan Larson loved Stephen Sondheim which yes we should all love Stephen Sondheim because he was incredible so was Jonathan Larson so just so many little fun cameos and easter eggs for those of us who really love theater and it's just it it was so fun from that perspective um the performances were good and engaging i was shocked that andrew garfield sounded as good as he did Um, he's also just so engaging in this Mm -hmm. that you kind of couldn't look away um and so I, I think it was, it was just a ton of fun and it, it was such a, a nice way to honor, you know, this, this composer who has meant so much to so many people over time. This movie has so much heart and it does. it's so endearing and heartwarming. And as I mentioned in my one sentence summary, I think the fact that so much of this film is about Jonathan Larson's life, just makes every moment feel that much more meaningful. Um, You know, we've seen the classic tropes of the artist who is passionate about his work and just just so 
much committing his soul to it at sometimes and sometimes the sacrifices they make along the way that I think without knowing the context behind this film, um, it loses some of that, that deeper meaning. And I was surprised to learn how much of the details in this movie are accurate to Jonathan Larson's actual lived experiences, things down to like names and events of, of people and and places that he spent a lot of time at. Um, I was shocked to learn how much was accurate. I thought this was, you know, inspired by his life, but a lot of details were changed, but no, actually a lot of the details are very, very accurate. Um, this movie has a lot to say about, uh, art in general and, and the, the amount of dedication that it's required for it. And I think people who are lovers of film and musical theater and arts in general will absolutely fall in love with this film. This feels like an homage to creators and creatives in general, whatever that, um, form looks like. And that was really wonderful to see. Mm -hmm. I did wonder though, like after it was over and I kind of like came down from like my musical theater high, (laughs) I I wonder how people who don't love this stuff would receive this film. You know, I just, if you're not a musical theater kid or if, if you're, I mean, you don't even have to be obsessed if you don't even like enjoy that though. And you just came Maybe because you saw like, oh, Andrew Garfield is in it. Okay, I'm going to watch this. I just wonder how it played to a bigger audience. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite part was just all of the little Easter eggs and all of the little touches. And I don't know. I I, I really wonder what the experience is like just as a mm-hmm. casual movie that you're watching, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wonder that too. I think... um I am not someone who loves musical theater, so I, I could sense that there is a, a level of love and appreciation for this that I know people who probably are like yourself um, would would just like get to glow at uh, far more than I did. Um, but I think in general, seeing someone who is is so passionate about their work and willing to uh, go the extra mile and pour their heart and soul in it is um, inspiring and, and incredible to see on screen. And I think we need more of that. There's this like, and I think it's what movies in general sometimes, uh, represent, especially musical theater represents. It's this, uh, like dedication and this optimism and this hope that your dreams can come true and your, your dedication and your, um, love for it will take you somewhere, wherever that might actually be. And, I think in a world that can easily be so cynical and jaded and focused on results and whatnot and achieving success the way that the world defines it, this is kind of just a breath of fresh air. Like here's a way this person has lived their life with such passion and um, love for their craft. And it's kind of inspiring to see that on screen. So I hope that people who are not um, into – musical theater or any other type of like creative art form, whether it's film or uh, music or whatnot, can still feel that core and hopefully resonate to it. And their craft could be something totally different. I hope so. And and I think what Tick, Tick, Boom does really well is that they, because they set it up in the beginning that Jonathan Larson passed away, uh, and then the film is like so consistent about like, it's his 30th birthday. It's his 30th birthday. And we know that he dies young. So 
every high that we get, every happy moment, there's still this twinge of sadness because you know that he was taken really early. And and I just love that even the ending of the film is not overly happy. You know, we don't see him um, get get a billion dollar or it wouldn't be that much, yes. but like thousands of dollars for his musical. We don't see him reunite with Susan. We don't see, you know, these various things that it, it could have been overly happy and like, you know, that cheesy gloss that they could have tried to put on there. But I, I just love that it was, it was happy at times, but also rooted in reality. And there was just this kind of like ongoing undercurrent of melancholy throughout that made it even more believable. And I think made the characters more likable and the story more impactful. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I loved the ending of this film. And I think it captures Mm -hmm. the spirit of him, Jonathan Larson, and also Um, what this movie is trying to say because as you mentioned he doesn't get the big check he doesn't get discovered like we would have expected from most of you know the types of stories that are told in this way but it's the fact that he continues to forge ahead he is committed to working on the next thing he's kind of um just resilient in pushing forward despite the fact that he's poured eight years of his life into this creation that was not received uh, with open arms and didn't become a huge success. Like that is for a lot of people, the the majority of our endeavors and journeys, it's that questioning of like, is this going to be worth it at all? And this movie is kind of like, it may be, it might not be, but just the the spirit of of pursuing it and pouring your heart and soul into it is beautiful in and of itself. And I think even just the the last detail that's mentioned in the movie in that um like live footage uh scene where where Susan is ha- speaking in the voiceover where she says that he never makes it to getting to the point where he sees his creation rent uh shown mm-hmm. on off broadway there's something that's like i mean it's it's a tr- it's tragic but it, but it's bittersweet and there's something poetic about that like here's a man who really committed his life to this and it wasn't about being successful or or achieving the fame it was that dedication and his craft and uh, for most of his life pouring himself into this his work and wanting to change the world in this way that's what what motivated him and that felt so in line with the rest of what this movie is communicating about this man's spirit and that was just incredible to see on screen Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved that the advice that Rosa gave him was, you write the next one. You know, like, yeah. I, I feel like in in so many movies, it's either this, like, long speech to get somebody, like, back on the horse and, like, no, you can do it. Or it's like a, oh, no, you need to do something else. And just the simplicity of, you just write the next one. And after that, you write the next one. And then you write the next one. And it's so real you know that's just that's what he did and that's what so many playwrights and and composers and creatives just have to do you just you just write the next one and so there's I don't know there's something like weirdly comforting and encouraging in that you know you just you just keep going just keep going yeah and let your love for whatever it is continue to fill you and drive you um and not be discouraged by the the 
the, the roadblocks along the way. I think what also was really beautiful uh, that was portrayed in this film in so many ways was the the people that poured into this this man and supported his vision mm-hmm. and encouraged him along the way. Um, that was incredible to see. You know, I think sometimes with this type of story, we see him burning the midnight oil and it's this triumph that he accomplishes at the end because he's so talented and so genius and whatnot. But I think this film gave uh, all of these little moments to show that he had loved ones or people in his life that really were there to encourage him in the moments where he was doubting himself or questioning um, his abilities or his worth. You know, there was just that those highlights of that conversation he has with Michael in his office and Michael telling him like, there's only one Jonathan Larson, like you got to keep going. You are good. Um, and the other one was Stephen Sondheim and that, that voicemail that just Mm -hmm. melts your heart because it's that, that nudge that he needed. And that, that little bit of validation encouragement to keep going when he could have easily thrown in the towel. Um, and I think it's it's incredible to see people in the industry that are maybe uh, down the road and along a little farther going back and investing in the new generation of creators and artists um, and bringing up and encouraging their, their vision and their creative spirits. Um, that was just incredible and beautiful to see. And it, it this movie inspires you to think about where you can be an encourager or where you can pour into someone else that might might need that little little burst of energy. Yeah, and the kind of the the meta part of it, uh, especially with the the Sondheim voicemail, is that he actually helped with kind of like creating some of these things. So like Lin Manuel Miranda would like kind of like run things by him, and Sondheim was able to kind of pour into this a little bit and um when Sondheim read what that voicemail message was originally going to be he it didn't sound like him so that's actually Stephen Sondheim's voice Voice. that we got to hear and I think that's just so special especially because he just recently passed away so Mm -hmm. I I think even like that adds layers to it that you know, this, this incredible composer who created these amazing worlds and, and invested so much in the musical theater, you know, culture. Um, he was still giving back and he was still doing all of these things, even when he was well advanced. And I mean, when you get to be that old, you don't have to do anything you don't want to, (laughs) but he, he was willing to pour into this film to some degree and lend his voice to it. And oh, it's just so special. Yeah. Yeah. It is really special, especially um, that moment where, where you hear his voice and you hear it through the lens of this protagonist and this, this person that we've been following, but also just the deeper meaning of the way his like his own legacy and also him passing recently. Just that moment was, so emotional tugs on every heartstring mm-hmm. yep but the other back to your like original point I'm not <laughs> gonna talk about Stephen Sondheim the entire episode I promise <laughs> but back to your point about just like the relationships that Jonathan had in this what I what I love to see that is also so different from other films about like the creative genius is that he had this 
really clear tension in himself to his craft, but also to the people that he loved. And I feel like a lot of times in this like genius protagonist creative role, they can almost become like robots and it's just about their craft and that's it. And yeah, they have relationships, but they're always going to take a back seat and we don't always get to see them grappling with that tension. But Tick, Tick, Boom does a brilliant job at showing us like he wanted to care for Susan and Michael and Freddie, but he also needed to work on his show. And and you see him grappling with that and making mistakes in that. But then you also see him like actually choosing people sometimes over his craft. So I just, I loved that tension and it made everything mm-hmm. more interesting and exciting because he wasn't just a robot creative, which is just refreshing to see. Yes, that's so true. And I and we also see those moments of tension almost constantly from the beginning of the musical to the end. He is there's so many little moments where he is uh having to to experience that inner turmoil, turmoil of okay, this this person I love wants to talk to me right now and have a conversation. I know I should do that, but also I have this thing and all these ideas and it's in all those little moments that you feel the choices that he is making slowly, one step at a time. Um, even with Susan, there's so many moments where she comes wanting to talk to him. And because he's he's dedicated to his workshop and then writing that song, he uh, chooses his craft over her in all those little moments. And so uh, I loved that it wasn't this big dramatic uh, climax moment where mm-hmm. it's her show and his show and he has to choose and they both have these big like high stakes things it's like no it's actually in all those daily little moments that you make decisions on what you choose and you also feel that inner turmoil in all the little decisions and I feel like that's so so accurate to the way life is we usually I mean sometimes there are the two big things that coincide and you really have to choose but in a lot of cases it's the little moments and those are sometimes the most uh, dangerous ones because they feel like small little moments that are insignificant, but they add up and each step kind of leads them as a couple to where they, where they are in that scene where they um, mm-hmm. really blow up and, and have the fight fully. And I love that even that fight wasn't this like big dramatic thing. It was just kind of like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then she just walks away. And I think even that's like so indicative of real life. You know, it's it's usually just this like culmination of little things. And then you go, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving. And and so just the the realness and the humanness of all of that. And I I think um a lot of that that tension and that stakes, I mean, obviously it's in in the writing and the music, which is just phenomenal, but I think we also really see it in Andrew Garfield's performance. Like, I guess I maybe just haven't seen him in a lot of things, but he is phenomenal and and just mm-hmm. able to carry all of these emotions and 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 all of these things in him at once. And he has this kind of like frenetic energy just kind of like yes. buzzing throughout the entire film yeah that feels so natural and feels so real and and he just brought so much life to this role and to this character and it just felt so fitting for for this portrayal of Jonathan Larson it oh it was so good 
he was somehow also able to convey this 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 lively passion that didn't feel cheesy. I, I yeah. was waiting for it to start to feel really cheesy. Like, oh, here's this here's this creator that loves his craft so much and it never becomes that. It it always felt so genuine and it felt like we were spending time with that friend that's just so passionate and excited about the thing um, that they can just spend so much time on and and um, it felt it just felt genuine and authentic and uh, didn't feel overacted or cheesy or too much. It was always just felt authentic and that that's that like uh, squishy thing that we can't put our hands on, but is a testament to his ability to convey all of that in in a real way. Hmm. So, I mean, shout out to him, obviously, but also to Lin-Manuel Miranda, who was like, mm-hmm. I want this guy. Can he sing? And, you know, then we end up where we are. But, right. man, gosh. I he... mean, you and I had this conversation <laughs> did. a few days ago about that's a gamble. And I'm so intrigued what went into the decision-making process of here's a musical uh, written by an iconic uh, writer and composer, and um, this is about his own personal life. So let's hire and cast <laughs> yeah. a non-singer in this role. Um, there must have been some spark or something that they saw in him that they were like, ah, he's got potential. He can do it. He just needs time. Such a gamble. I mean, clearly they were right. Wow. <laughs> that gamble really paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see him in more things. This uh, makes me view him very differently. Yeah. Yeah. I As I was watching, I kept thinking like, oh, I think my my perception of you is wrong and my movie knowledge of you is not wide enough. I need to see you in more things because he's yep. clearly yeah. incredible. Now I want to see mm-hmm. him in everything. Yeah. His ability to display the nuance of mixed emotions is really fantastic. That ending scene with Susan where there's just so much uh, on mm-hmm. written on his face, uh, joy but and gratitude but pain and sadness about this relationship that has ended. It's all over his face and that the whole range of emotion is, is fully there for both of them. Uh, but he really, he does that throughout the entire movie. Yep. I I honestly so like the Golden Globes just happened and Andrew Garfield won for best actor in a musical and comedy and so before watching this I was a little salty that uh Anthony Ramos didn't get it for In the Heights because I think that would just be fun and then I watched this and I went oh no nope yeah they were right he 1000% deserved this so mm-hmm. gosh I'm just I'm I'm glad that he's He's getting recognition for just how phenomenal that performance was. And the dedication to learn how to sing in a year. Yeah. Wow. Good job, buddy. That's not easy. Like, and like the songs aren't easy either. Mm-hmm. Like, holy moly. He he put in the work. So you enjoy that <laughs> award. <laughs> in the first uh, two minutes of this movie, he sings. And for the first uh, 10 seconds of him singing, I was like, I wonder what Sarah's thinking right now. <laughs> she, this is Pat, is this reaching the threshold that it needs to? Is it passing the bar? Or has Andrew Garfield jumped but not reached? <laughs> nope. He nope. He, he reached the bar. 
But I, I must say that uh, Joshua Henry, who played Roger, who's another one of the singers in this, he blew me away. Yeah. He is phenomenal. I wanted him to sing so much more. So it was also like, oh, Andrew Garfield, you're doing great. You're holding your own. But like, Joshua Henry, can we just get you more screen time? What do we have to do? Well, the first time Andrew Garfield sings for about a few bars, Mm -hmm. they throw him, they throw Roger um, Henry into that mix. And I thought they were going to do that for the rest of the movie. Like, oh, we're going to just like throw a really great singer with you. So Mm -hmm. it's a little less obvious that you can't sing, but nope. No, no, no. He carries his own in a lot of songs. He did. He did a good job. So what do we think about Lin-Manuel Miranda's directing for this film? Thoughts. This is, this is his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. I'm not wrong. Okay. Yep. Thoughts. Yeah, I think I would just be fascinated to see him direct something that's not a musical. You know, like I, I feel like this is a really good first choice because it just makes right sense. Like, yep. This is yep. his world. He you know, has done all the things. He knows what it's like to be, you know, a struggling composer and wanting to make it big and then actually what it feels like to make it big. So I think it just, it makes a lot of sense that this was his his first pick and he did he did good, you know? I, I would just be interested to see him doing something else at some point too. Like, okay, what other tricks do you have up your sleeve? But I think... I think it was a fun time, and I, I loved a lot of the the intercutting um, between, you know, different different other musicals. They'd randomly like throw stuff from Rent in there, or stuff that looked like it was filmed on like a old school video camera. So there was just a lot of interesting things that happened in the editing room that I thought was really fun and helped visually keep up with the kind of frenetic and constantly moving pace of the music. So it made it feel cohesive as one. So I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda showed a lot of skills in this and I'd like to see more. How about you? I would too. Yeah. I thought he did a great job with this, um, especially with the context that this is his kind of debut um, as a director. I think in general, filming a musical is difficult um, the medium is, is very different and to make it feel uh, consistent with its uh, subject matter and all the singing, I think is, is a challenge. Um, I was thinking a lot about In the Heights and it's it's a very different type of musical uh, stylistically, but I felt that that dissonance between, okay, we're watching a movie of a musical. And this one felt like it really embraced all of the filmmaking techniques to make this exciting and engaging. I thought a lot of the cinematography and editing made this feel more whimsical, the cutting back and forth. There was just a lot of uh, momentum and movement in it. Whereas I feel like In the Heights felt like we were filming, literally filming a musical. And um, the the use of of that medium just felt a little bit different, and I, and I love the way that he uh, tackles a lot of the scenes that happen in the apartment, especially. Um, is very dynamic, mm-hmm. and it's easy for that to feel really cla- claustrophobic or visually less interesting because we're in such a small space with a lot of times just um, Jonathan Larson 
in in the apartment working and he somehow makes that the the choreography of how Andrew Garfield moves around the apartment uh, during the songs and whatnot feel really engaging and exciting. So I thought he handled the medium really well and embraced like the great parts of of musicals and it being a film um, and marrying the two together in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Film musical adaptations are usually pretty rough. Like (laughs) just, they don't translate to the screen well. And this is one of the rare exceptions where this was just a blast to watch. And, and you referenced it earlier that like this really encapsulates the, the heart of musical theater and, and you can just feel the magic of it, which is, is really impressive to do. Cause I feel like a lot of the, the film version of musicals, they lose all of that. And it becomes just this like weird story with singing that isn't yes. always great, <laughs> but man, they're just the, the right combination of factors came to, to keep the musical heart and the musical magic, but just transport it to the screen. And I think your point earlier about the cutting back and forth between, um, you know, the, what you mentioned in your one sentence summary of this being like musical inception, I think mm-hmm. that helped a lot because we were never stuck in one place with um, uh, a certain character or a set of characters while they're singing for a long period of time. They They had the ability to kind of escape and zoom out of the story and look at it from that lens while um, – what we assume to be Jonathan Larson performing Tick, Tick, Boom, and then zoom in. So uh, there was, he really played with those elements and took full use of them, which I think helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And I and I even think the the writing helps too, because I, I we had like 17 problems in the course of this film. Like there was always a problem that was being solved at some point. And that also just keeps it interesting. You know, we're not just following this one character on this linear journey. He's trying to accomplish all these things and and juggle all of these different responsibilities that he has. And there's all these problems associated with all of them. So it's, it's interesting to watch a character have to go through all of that and then do it with as much flair as he does. Yeah, there was always these, there was always forward momentum for for every part mm-hmm. of this movie. Yep. Um, and I and I like that it didn't necessarily feel like the traditional structure or building up to this one big moment and this is big shot. There's a little bit of that with the the workshop, but I think that happens actually much earlier than um, I would have expected it to. So it it, it feels uh, like a well paced film as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like everything happened on time and it didn't feel too long, which it's an hour and 55 minutes and it's okay to be an hour and 55 <laughs> minutes. It didn't need to be 90, mm-hmm. but I, yeah. It, and I think it is that, like you mentioned that forward momentum, we were constantly moving forward. There was constantly something else. There was a, a new person to meet or a new problem to solve or a new thing to see, or is he going to write the song? You know, so it was just, we always had these little questions and wondering, okay, what's going to happen next in this guy's life? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
and I, and I think there's also like these other um, people in his life or side storylines that also felt like they were progressing and developing. I Like if we think about it, each relationship he has um, has its own arc, its own mini mm-hmm. arc along the way. You know, his relationship with Susan is constantly, uh, you know, continuing to devolve for most of the movie before it finally reaches a breaking point and they separate. And then we have a little bit of a resolution or a reconciliation there at the end. His relationship with Michael also has its arc. And we see scenes where we learn about um, Jonathan Larson and his development with the project and his workshop. But there's also emotionally things that are happening in a direction with his relationship with Michael and ways that he is choosing his work over him and how that continues to affect Michael. We see Michael's facial expression. So all of those smaller relationships also feel like they have their own little emotional arcs and they all build up to um, the core storyline. And I would say like the primary uh, engine for this movie is the final workshop and will he write the song or not? But there's all these emotional uh, storylines that also are fully progressing forward. So yeah, we're invested on all all fronts and they all intertwine. It's structured very very yeah. well. Yeah. And and like even into the little relationships like like Rosa or Freddie or Ira, you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's all of these I mean, you're right. Every relationship in this has a story arc, which my goodness, you never see that. You might get mm-hmm. like 3 max and there's a bunch in this one. Mhm. Even even his uh, relationship with Stephen Sondheim has yeah. its own little arc. There, yep. There's the meeting, and then there's the um, him showing up to the workshop and the phone call, and that's its own little um, journey we go on to. Mm-hmm. Comes for full circle, which yeah. is just so satisfying. Yes, and when he's he's one of the two people that uh, said there needed to be another song, so it kind of kicks off the rest of the the main story arc that we see in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And even how that was done is, was just so smart because, you know, in the diner with Ira and he says, there needs to be another song. Hasn't anybody told you that before? He's like, no, 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 no one has. Well, there was one. (laughs) It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, that tells us so much about the character, but then that's just a, a fun way to insert that that flashback and learn more about just this world that that Jonathan is in and then like you said like that provides you know our main engine that we're following in the story but so good even those little details you know when we would flashback or when we would go you know into his performance or you know wherever we are it it always felt intentional and on mm-hmm. purpose and it felt on time too yeah very true so speaking of that scene, it reminded me of how funny this this musical is that I just mm-hmm. wasn't expecting that. Um, and it, it's not outright. It's not in your face. It's like these little moments or lines that are really comedic. And I had a good time with this and I didn't expect this movie to be as funny as it was. Um, the reason this came up is when you you were talking about the the flashback to um, the first time he, I think, shows something in, in one of his early workshops and uh, there's like the back and forth between Stephen Sondheim and whatever the other dude um, was who was an established uh, composer as well. And 
uh, that whole bit is is really funny, and I just I didn't expect that to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. And and I think you know just like Richard Kind is the actor who plays. Apparently, that composer's name was Walter Bloom, uh, but Richard Kind is just such a funny actor. <laughs> and then to see him paired with Bradley Whitford doing Stephen Sondheim was just. It wasn't something that I expected, but I'm so pleased that that happened. And yeah, it's just a it's just a good time. But it it's true this this movie has a great sense of timing. And even sometimes the way that like a character would move or you know, it was just these little these little things that you would just chuckle at. And again, they were just so human. I I don't think there was a lot of like Ha ha! Trying to be funny moments, but just a lot of people just being people, and people are funny. So sometimes they do funny things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that was great. Unexpected. I loved it. Something interesting that I read afterwards was that in press appearances for Tick Tick Boom, a lot of the press were asking Andrew Garfield about the newest Spider-Man movie because he makes cameos in it. And so I just thought that that was super interesting to to think about. You know, this 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 movie that's all about, you know, the musical theater and and this really iconic composer and Andrew Garfield was getting a lot of questions about a Marvel franchise and mm-hmm. the next superhero movie. So I just mm-hmm. it's just something interesting to think about about just kind of like where we are as people and what we we focus on you know i don't i don't think that there's a right or a wrong but it's just one of those fascinating things that to just look at and and think on and it's so in keeping with the themes of this mo- of this yes. musical as well this idea of how difficult it is to create truly personal art that uh speaks to you that that resonates to you that communicates a perspective that you uniquely have versus uh like commerce and uh what it takes on the tactical and logistical side to get that made and is there even an audience for it and i feel like that uh bit that you just shared about him getting so many questions about a marvel movie for press releases for tick tick boom uh it's just like such perfect representation of that. Um, I think people in musical theater and especially, and also in the film industry are going to potentially love this film because it so captures that challenge and that struggle and the uphill battle of making personal art in an industry that is ultimately in its, in its ultimate state built for, uh, commerce and for making money. Um, I've been diving a lot into Scorsese's filmography and uh, his life and um, his kind of like filmmaking perspectives. And he is also like just reading so much about the struggles that he goes through to make a film uh, that truly represents his point of view and his style and his vision and how much he's had to choose films that are for commerce so he can make his money and trying to put his personal stamp on it, but then taking, being able to take those resources and make something that truly is what he wants to make. Um, it just is, it's such a battle and it's such a, you know, uh, challenge for 
filmmakers. And to your point, like, where are we today in this like IP management world today? Um, it's challenging. And I think that's maybe why this movie and this musical um, was just such a breath of fresh air to see a person who never gave that up and was unwavering and made something that was commercially highly successful um, and was able to create something that was personal um, with that same piece of work that could be commercially successful. And I think it's, it's possible. And Jonathan Larson proves that it's possible, but um, you know, with the, the risk and security management of, of making like highly, highly expensive movies, I know it's hard, but I think that that bit you shared is just the perfect representation of that dilemma that uh, Jonathan Larson faces in this movie so much. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that, you know, this, this musical addresses so many, so many different topics. So like, that's one of them, but also like acceptance and, and loss and, you know, relationships and creativity and, you know, the, the practical things like how do we pay rent and, you know, getting your lights turned off. And so there's just so many things that he, he considers in this. And it's also fun to, to view this kind of alongside rent and how similar these two are in a lot of ways. And, and even in Tick, Tick, Boom, there are these little nods to rent. So like even in the, the marketing uh, brainstorming that he was in, one of the things written on the board was Santa Fe, which is a very famous song from rent. So just these little Easter eggs throughout, but I, I just loved seeing all of these themes that he was just grappling with and just trying to figure out. I mean, he was a young guy. He was only 30 and he didn't have life figured out. And the way that he processed through these things was through theater and through writing. And it's just, I don't know, it's just fascinating to to think that we get these little snapshots of this guy just trying to figure things out and and see the progression of some of these thoughts from Tick, Tick, Boom into Rent. And it also just makes me wonder, like, if he had lived longer, what else would we see as he progressed, you know, as he aged, but also lived more life to maybe have some different ideas uh, that we would also see in another musical, which we will never see. But it was just nice to kind of think about Tick, Tick, Boom and Rent kind of together. And Mm -hmm. they both work standalones, obviously, but it's it's so fascinating to think through the the parallels and the similarities and yeah it just what a fun way to try and figure things out is okay i'm going to write a musical about it like sure that's awesome love it yeah you even that ending uh moment where he's talking to susan and susan says like do you know what you're going to do next he's like no but i have a lot of questions and the yeah. the whole last musical number is just him singing about all the questions he still has, these deep freaking questions uh, about life and these big themes and topics that like most people have not figured out yet. But I love that he is able to convey and embrace that we we really don't have the answers, but the pursuit of these questions is worth every every bit of our time. Um, it's just comical to me too because every every lyric out of that song is like a question. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's, he's really using 
his craft process his life, as you mentioned. And um, there's a whole musical number dedicated to it. Yes, we should all ask more questions. Questions are good, and uh, we should ask more of them and not get stuck in our ways. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be like Do- Jonathan Larson. Yes. Think about your questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I was also thinking about that moment where um, his agent tells him to write what he knows. And yeah. I thought that was – that was beautiful. That gave me chills when she says that. I mean, that whole, the whole, everything he says to him, she says to him in that conversation um, was so on point. But that one specifically too made me think a lot about, wow, like the next thing he wrote, um, that was a big, big musical number and what, a big musical and whatnot um, was truly what he knew. And we see those relationships that so much of Rent is inspired from and the set pieces in Rent inspired from a lot of his personal life, uh, living in this shitty, awful apartment in New York City and seeing his friends struggle through um, dealing with being HIV positive and dealing with this idea of time. Like there's that that theme of time is so much in this movie and also so much in Rent as well. It's just those two are really uh, in conversation with each other and this, you can see the evolution of the themes in Tick, Tick, Boom more fully developed. Um, and I was thinking back to that that scene where she she tells him right what you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, I did uh, after I finished watching Tick Tick Boom, I 1,000 percent went and just listened to Rent all day. <laughs> yep. I would have watched it, but you know I had to have things to do today. But gosh, it's just I I think it, it's just also fun to to realize that like somebody like Jonathan Larson, like he died when he was 35. He never really like made it big when he was alive, but he has made such a lasting impact on, on so many people. And like, I I can remember the, the first time I, I heard a song from Rent and, and my friend was telling me about how, how it, how it spoke to her and how, how she, she felt so connected to it and so seen by this song and this musical and all of this. So just watching this, and we've already talked about it a few times, but it just reminds me of how special this, this art form is. Like, obviously like music is special and, and, and film is special too, but the musical theater is also just such a, a special and precious thing. And, you know, this, this amazing creator, he, he has touched more lives than he probably ever thought that he would be able to. And this will hopefully be another introduction of him to maybe a a different generation or a different group of people who, who don't know about him. And maybe they'll learn more and grow to appreciate him. And the Jonathan Larson fan club will just continue to expand (laughs) as it should. Yeah, he even says that line in the movie. Uh, I think when he's when he's talking to Michael, I mean they're fighting, but he says like I just I want to change the world and mm-hmm. I want to impact people yeah. through music and through art. And that line is incredible because we know how the story ends, but for him in that moment, he doesn't know and he doesn't know if it's all going to be worth it. And um you just feel the 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 purity and his his intentions and his desires and his dreams for it. And it's it's beautiful. It's incredible to see. I don't know. And in, in the world that it can be so um 
harsh and it's easy to feel be jaded and whatnot. Like this is such a inspiration and breath of fresh air for people. I think it was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so joyful and hopeful, which you wouldn't expect because he died so young, but even though like that's really sad, it's still full of hope and joy, but not in an overly cheesy way. It's again, that, that balance of sadness and joy all in one. And there's just a a magical formula with those two emotions. Yeah. If anything, it's more beautiful because it is rooted in mm-hmm. reality and yeah. not the the like overly glossy musical ending, you know, where everything, everything wraps up so beautifully. He gets the girl, he gets the fame, he gets the check, he gets the recognition from the producer, his dreams are made true. Really, none of that happens, but it's his tenacity and his spirit that is the ultimate ending to this of this movie. That that is still alive after everything he's been through. He is still here writing. Mm-hmm. Man. Ugh, so good. So heartwarming. So great. <laughs> it's so great. So when the uh, beginning of this film starts – It starts with Susan in a voiceover talking about at like a 10,000 foot view to use your inception, uh, musical inception um, metaphor. We start at like the very outer layer of this and uh, the movie really bookends with that opening and her in the ending talking about his legacy. And I kept thinking, that's a really interesting choice. I think I was wondering if it was also a strategic choice because this being a Netflix film, um, it would potentially hold people's attention and set the context for uh, who Jonathan Larson is. And, oh, okay, like for the the masses who ha- most likely know about Rent or seen Rent or are aware of it, like was that the potential hook to get people to continue to engage with this? Versus how they just kind of been thrown into the opening scene, the first musical number. Like it, it really feels like context setting that happens in the beginning. And yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on that. And also if those bookends worked for you, um, what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think it was context setting because, you know, like I I don't know how many people know about Rent and I don't know how many people know about Jonathan Larson. And I don't know how many people know that he died when he was 35. You know, like, I, I feel like that's probably a smaller group of people. So you have to set that that context. But I, I also think, and, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but I think it's brilliant at the outset because you know that he's he's going to die. And so it just, it it changes kind of the filter Mm, that you watch this movie through. But then I think you also need that at the end because, you know, I mean, it's been an hour and a half and a lot of things have happened and we have the memory of a goldfish. So you have to remind people that like, nope, he really did die. And so I, I think that bookending was smart on like a psychological level and for like setting context for everybody who's going to view who might not be obsessed with musical theater, but also just a, a really smart 
writing choice because it helps us view this differently than we might have if it was just like, boop, we're going to go into this guy's life and we're just going to kind of follow him. And then, oh yeah, he died. You know, I feel like that would be a little abrupt and almost feeling like the floor fell out from under you. Whereas, oh, we're prepared. We know where this is going. And then it makes the experience different. And then we come full circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it also helps in setting the, the context that this, in the events of the musical are truly autobiographical. I think everything mm-hmm. feels more more powerful and meaningful knowing that this is this is really based on this man's life and it's not these written characters or whatnot. Um, it adds an extra dimension and layer to everything that you you see unfolding for the next two hours. Um, so I, I appreciated that that bit of context as, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just another example of how well written this is. Like. Wow. I, I I think all of this, like we've talked about, it has so much heart in it, but also it's, it's not just like, oh my gosh, I have such a big heart and I'm just feeling all over the place. Like it's, (laughs) it's, it has so much heart, but it's also so intentional and, and mindful of what it's doing. And it's, it's aware enough of its subject matter and its audience to, create something that is both I mean it's not just palatable it's enjoyable and there's just a a level of detail um to this that honestly like I wasn't expecting I was expecting Netflix trash that you just have on in the background (laughs) like that's what I was expecting with Mm. terrible music that's what I was ready for and uh I was not ready for just this gem of a musical Wow, Netflix. It's weird to say nice things about Netflix, but this is great. I'm glad that they got the rights to it. Netflix is so hot and cold with us, man. There's just, there's no mediocre with them. It's either the best or the worst. (laughs) One week we're praising their their, their choices. (laughs) And the following, we're we're just, we're ripping it apart. So this is a praise week for them. It's it's great. It it feels weird, but uh, here we are. They did a good thing. They're using their powers for good. Hallelujah. Here we are. And I think this being on streaming is great. I think it potentially has a wider reach than if it were truly just a theater-only release. Mm-hmm. You, you'd yeah. have your loyal your <laughs> musical theater fans yes. that will show up. There's like the sprinkling of other people that might just be interested, excited. Andrew Garfield and okay, let's see it. But I think there's a larger reach and a lot more accessibility with this now for a lot more people that being on a streaming platform. So what I think might help the number of eyeballs I get to just experience this, this journey with him. And I think it's just also interesting. It make it makes me think of the conversation we had uh, during our Hamilton review, which now feels like an eternity ago, but (laughs) just kind of about, you know, where musical theater is going and, Mm you know, especially with the pandemic and, and all the theaters having to shut down and now things are opened up to some degree. So I, I just, I still wonder about the future of live theater, but it's also nice to have little moments like this where it 
it, it's able to capture the magic of the theater and make it so that people can stream it at home. And, and I hope that it's, it, it will help viewers maybe explore these musical theater worlds that they haven't before. And maybe like once, you know, people feel safe to do so and theaters are back open up, maybe they will start to go see a live show. Like, I just wonder if, if things like this could help almost fuel a resurgence of live theater, live musicals. We'll see, but that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like my hope after watching this, like, oh, that'll be so fun to go see musicals <laughs> live again. Like, oh, I miss it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hope others felt that and we can, I don't know, see a resurgence. We'll see. Helps. It helps make it easy for people to dip their toes in without plunging in with a $200 ticket <laughs> yeah. and go to the theater. Yeah, people can experience it, see if they are interested and engaged and intrigued and kind of can continue exploring the world. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's a good thing. Yeah. Good job, really. Netflix. We're really proud good. of in you. In the Heights too. Yeah. Yep, in the Heights as well. Yep. Besides side story recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Quite we, a few. Yeah. We're just we have we have <laughs> lots of great musicals to choose from right now, which is just fantastic. Yep. All right. Any other last thoughts about Tick Tick Boom before we wrap it up? Yes. I would be okay. remiss if we did not for just a hot second talk about the Sunday brunch number. Because <laughs> I lost my damn mind during that. I was just, I will rewatch that scene a trillion times just because it was so fun to see like musical theater royalty just all jam packed into this scene. And like, you'd see one person and I was like, oh, 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 that's them. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And then we'd pan and there'd be somebody else. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And just like, I, my, my, voice got higher and higher and higher with my excitement as the scene kept going on and then Bernadette Peters comes on screen and I lost it. I was fangirling and just so happy. So that scene just it warmed my little heart. I was enjoying the movie up until then and then we just got to see all of these greats on the screen all in one place at one time singing the same song and I just, I wanted nothing else. The movie could have been trash after that, and I still would have had a great time. So just uh, shout out to all of those wonderful Broadway legends who have just poured so much into their craft and so much into their audiences. What wonderful humans. You can't see me right now, but I'm grinning at my screen (laughs) at your excitement and... As someone who doesn't know a lot of those stars, I'm not immersed in the musical theater world. I recognized a few of them, but likely a lot also flew over my head. So I would have loved to watch you watch this scene and I, yeah. just watch your dopamine chart in your <laughs> brain go from like a really stable, high mm-hmm. flat line and just spike. Yep. I would love to see that. Yep. It just, it just got better and better. And, and it's also (laughs) fun that three of the original cast members of Rent were also in that number. They were the bums outside of the diner. So just these, like these little moments that were Mm -hmm. just so meaningful. And, and it's just also wonderful to, to see them all again. Like, I mean, 
most of the people in that scene, they were all older and they still got it and they still love their craft. And, and it's also just this reminder that like, like the theater world is in a lot of ways, its own little community. And so it was just nice to see all of that support for it's that scene is an homage to something from a Sondheim musical and it's in a Jonathan Larson musical. So it's just this nice, like uh, everybody loved these guys and they just came together to just celebrate them. It was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. It's like all these people came together for this and for this moment and to honor him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there are so many of those little cameos throughout, but it was the Sunday brunch one that that really made me lose like my mind. Brain. Yeah, yeah. That, that was when I really freaked <laughs> out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of Tick, Tick, Boom. You can find it available to stream on Netflix. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Tick, Tick, Boom. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the film, The Lost Daughter. We hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you soon.